Talk brunch served hot. Talk brunch live. Episode four hundred two, August twenty third, Summer Slam pay per view post show with Dara, aka Captain Brunch, here with Destin Fraser. It's kind of funny when they say you won't see a comment in my head. I'm like, okay, we're about to come up pregnant. Good lord. Don't ask me why I went there. But <laughs> I have no idea. I thought there was going to be a, I don't know, maybe there was a big swerve, but I thought something was going to happen. I thought it had something to do with retribution, something that we weren't going to see coming like that. Then we the leader or whatever, but uh, no, I was incorrect about that. Unless for some of you guys are speculating as well in the chat room. But that being said, uh, we come to you tonight off of the heels of the 2020 SummerSlam, which was quite entertaining and surprisingly unique. Definitely more colorful than any of the things we've had before it. And, uh, yeah. How did you feel overall? Uh, wasn't disappointed. So, at this point, that's a plus for me. But Thank you, Sam and Senpai, for the host. But, uh, yeah, some, like I said um, last night, SummerSlam has always been my favorite pay-per-view. I think it was the very first one I ever saw. So, going into this, looking at the card, I expected a good night. So. Yeah. Well, definitely got something in, out of it, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you for everybody listening across iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, across TalkBrunch.com, within our Twitch.tv live chat room. I know we're also simulcasting to Twitter and Facebook video, Facebook Watch. So thank you for joining us from there. Uh, before we get into the actual pay-per-view, just because we will not be talking about it on tomorrow's show, I'm going to get into a little bit of the SmackDown leading into it because the importance of this SmackDown, for starters, is the unveiling of the Thunderdome, which uh, what were your opinions, just SmackDown, what was your opinion of your first impression of the Thunderdome? Well, I mean, first of all, welcome back, Pyro. Uh- <laughs> a lot of Pyro, man. Look at all that layoff money, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everything's exploding. Everything. You know what I what I do like about it? When you look at the um the entranceway, it literally looks like a miniature version of SmackDown. Just like the like the previous version before this current one that we had before the pandemic started. It really just looked like they shrunk it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I like the like attention to detail when it came to that. Um the screens with the people is gonna take getting used to. So, because uh, in my head, there were moments where I found myself more just wondering what was going to happen on those screens rather than what would happen in the ring. But so something I noticed about the screens with the people on SmackDown, a lot of those screens weren't moving like there were a lot of screens. The majority of them were just frozen pictures of the people. And sometimes quite obviously, like they'd be like mid laugh or mid smile. And like they're just frozen <laughs> that way, looking at the screen. It's, and it's just hot. Yeah, exactly. And we, <laughs> and we had a suspicion watching SmackDown that certain one of these might just be like four or five second gifts just on loop of the people. So they don't really have to worry too much about what, like something wrong happening because they already, they just are occasionally looping these little or even still framing these faces. At least that's what I saw. Not all the time. Again, going into tonight's pay-per-view of SummerSlam, uh, it seemed more interactive. Like, there were times I could see them counting to the pins, which was pretty dope to have it that in sync. So maybe SmackDown, they were just worried about dick exposure or something. 
And they were yeah, like paranoid. If there, was any, if there was any time for somebody to do it, it'd be that first night. Or they just didn't fix the art. Because I noticed a lot of frozen ones. There wasn't really as many tonight. Yeah. There was the Pikachu head that was there. I mean, hell, on SmackDown, there was a guy that had his teddy bear out in front. And I think there was one person that was sleeping. You got to worry about that. You're right. Like, the, at some point, they're either going to stop that or if there's no way for them to control that, this is going to just start looking more and more like the Budokai tournaments. You oh. know, literally, like if they, if they let enough people do that, what would be the difference between how that crowd looks and the crowd when you see a Budokai? You guys have all seen a Budokai world, Dragon Ball fantasy. You've seen that shit. You have foxes <laughs> and little stuffed bears and shit in the crowd watching them battle. It starts with Pikachu <laughs> before you know how's that thing going to look up there. Without a little you know bit of control. If that's what they meant. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, for sure. Huh? I want to say I have an order 66 for that whole thing. <laughs> you know, or are they numbered? Like, is there a way that they could look at that and be like, hey, number 72 is wearing an AEW shirt, you know, turn off number 72. And they have just screen just dies. How organized is because it's a lot of screens. Yeah, but it's one thing that is really cool about uh, the Thunderdome. I swear to God, I almost call it the Terror Dome. But one thing um, that's really cool about it is when wrestlers come out, you don't see the faces anymore. You see like what would usually be that Minitron graphic. Yeah. So the place completely changes when somebody comes out. That is very well done. It looks very flashy and big. And they went and did it on purpose. One of the reasons why they did that is because of the fact that no one can replicate that without spending a tremendous amount of money. You know, it's kind of like there are certain things that money can buy. You know, yeah. it's like you can have all the heart and soul in wrestling that you want, but that's the unfortunate, unfair thing about this world is that having all of that, sometimes you can just buy crazy shit. And that's what WW, that's what I mean when I remember. And I used to say that when I like all jokes aside, when I used to tell you don't count them out, that was always my argument. Not that they're going to outbook you or outright you, you know. More, more so that they're just gonna, uh, you know, they're gonna just out buy you. And that's what this company did. It's like they just, can you imagine how much it would cost another company to have all these different giant monitors everywhere? It's just like arena is just one big ass monitor at this point. There's like no way in hell. You know, you just couldn't do it. So there's no other company that can spend that kind of money. And they, they, that's why they held that building down. Remember, we talked about it on Monday. Not many people understood, including ourselves, like exactly what was going to be the importance of holding this building down for the rest of the year, potentially. And that's exactly what it is, because that stuff is nice and settled and hooked up and ready there whenever they need to have a big feeling event. And then they can just drive a few hours back to the performance center and have their regular thing. And then they created that dynamic of the smaller and larger shows once again. You know, so that's what they needed. And money, money is the only thing that can buy that. It does look good. It takes some getting used to. I definitely see weirdness about it, but it gave it a better feel. Yeah. So SmackDown, because this is where they unveil the dome, and it's important because the storylines here are going to go into the stuff with the SummerSlam post show. Just a few notes about SmackDown. We won't talk about everything, but just the things that are relevant to this. So The Fiend and McMahon are in the ring as one of the first times that we're seeing this dome. Uh and then Retribution shows up. So we don't even know what was going to happen with The Fiend. It's like, I guess they were implying he was coming after Mr. McMahon. But then Retribution shows up. And this was the first time where I looked at them. And I'm starting to fear that you might be right. Oh, you let's be real. You know I'm right. Because, because why like, were there more? 
Yeah, that's that's what did it. It was like shit. That's the my beer. As soon as I saw the amount, it was like because who's it gonna be? Everybody. Like at that point, I can I can like probably bring up their roster and just start scratching off names and see how many people it isn't. Like if they're like how many people would you have that are not part of the Raw and SmackDown? That's everybody then. For it to be that many, you're pretty much saying all of NXT, or we just don't know them and they're from like another part of the planet or something. They don't so. know. So that's what I'm saying. They kind of blew. They couldn't it. keep up with their own consistency. Yeah, like they kind of blew it to me on the SmackDown when there were that many of them because it was like, come on, what's gonna happen here? I will be it really like, impressed. It, it, I will it never was a doubt them like again. The Nexus and the Core showed up at the same time. Yeah, I will never doubt them again. If at the end of this whole thing, everybody on masks and it's this crazy big stable, you know, like I will never doubt them again. If it's just if it fits all perfectly and you're like, wow, they got, look at that. They got to be able to prove that they knew that shit ahead of time because that's the problem. I don't think they do. It's yeah. just the fact that the number suddenly changes. They don't know. They probably just decided the last minute. Wait a minute, no, we need more of them. Yeah, like I said, I will never doubt them again if that's the route that it goes. It was kind of funny though that when. Um, because the fiend showed up and then Braun came out afterwards and then Retribution showed up. It was just funny that the fiend just kind of waved by. Yeah, like see, and then just left. Like I, I'm not gonna be part of this. <laughs> oh, it was great. Yeah. And then of course the rest of the roster decided to roll out, but yeah, that didn't really do much any good. So they had already done what they had to do. Like, yeah, and then I don't know. They did this little thing where Miz got to the ring late. Where like after everyone did their run in to clear the ring of retribution, Miz arrives late. And I don't know if they were trying to plant the seeds of suspicion. Like, are they gonna do the old storyline where Miz always looks like he's the one, but then it's not the Miz? Or was that just literally shittiness? Like Miz for some probably reason just, got there late, you know? Because it was like you would think they wouldn't film it that way. But yeah, everybody clears the ring of retribution and then here's Miz sliding in afterwards and going over to Morris and like, Well, what I'm here, what's happening? And it's just kinda like, you know, that's the Miz was on the shitter. I don't see why they would have that sequence that way with like one guy getting there after it's all over. And obviously it won't be him because they always like to have that one dude who's not the guy that you think is the guy. But I just was wondering if that was that and then they just didn't follow it up or what. Sometimes I like to pay less attention. If you pay too close <laughs> attention, you don't need, you're even more confused. Start reading and the shit that's not even there. And I was like, but it was there. It came in after everything was over. They all fought retribution off together, and all of the guys in the roster are standing tall. And then Miss slides in visibly, like the camera goes to him sliding in late. The funny thing is, when I saw that, my first thought was, I was like, well, Vince, well, Miss don't give a shit about none of y'all, so including his friends, and like he gonna be in a rush. Yeah, I mean, hey, weird. We ain't never seen Vince turn his back on a friend before. Yeah, maybe that was them, just you know pushing the whole heel thing with him. I just think it's weird because even the heels weren't there helping. Even Baron Corbin ran in without, without hesitation to come saving, you know. At yeah, least it, it, how really long will it be? And that's the thing. Even if this whole shit's a botch, Willie, even with all the guys that are there, they're just made up. It's important that the leader be somebody. You know what I mean? Like the leader can't also be random. That would be the worst thing that they could do is have a random leader. They lucked out with Wade Barrett because who the hell was Wade Barrett at the time? He was the guy that if you were if you were crazy enough to be able to go on the internet and find FCW, he was one of the dudes from there. And if you weren't crazy enough to do that, then he was the guy from the shitty game show NXT where you ran through obstacles. So that was a risk and it worked just because Barrett had a presence and then of course they wasted him. Like they do everything. But uh I don't really know exactly what they can do if they just try to unveil someone that you don't know. Fortunately yeah. they didn't do that here. Uh so again, the Miz thing happens. And the whole thing, again, is book kind of shitty because then we have the Biggie versus Sheamus match and the lights are flickering, which that's just annoying. What are, what are these guys doing? Playing with the third fucking protectors here? 
Like they're not blowing the power. Either you blow the power or you don't. You don't flicker the lights. What are we playing? Peekaboo? What kind of villains are these? And uh, when it happens, Cole goes retribution again. And it's just weird because you never caught them the first time. Remember, all of you guys just a minute ago came into the ring and then they all ran out and you cleared the ring and Miz was there late. Just happened seconds before this, before this match. So like, I love how he said it in the sense of like he'd be questioning like, who else plays with the lights? We know you didn't catch them, right? Like you clear the ring. They're all around. They scattered everywhere. So that means they're still among you. And as big as you guys portray this place on TV, you can walk for fucking miles. You know, so it could be you anywhere. You find like a little nook and corner to hide in until the coast was clear. Like, you know, let's not forget. Because y'all guy, give up quick over there. So. They always like to portray their place as huge, right? Like, let's not forget, Full Sail's supposed to be smaller. And uh, this guy took a fireball to the face. And he had to walk, like, literally for an entire fucking Game of Thrones worth of episode footage across the, the, the arena to the, to the ambulance. Lee's coming. You know, I don't know when, but he's big coming. Ass castles that you have to walk through. So retribution went everywhere. Michael Cole shocked that the lights went out. You would think that you caught all these guys and had them rounded up in the back of a paddy wagon tied together like the fucking Beagle Boys. You know, <laughs> like the way that you're so surprised that moments later they're doing the shit they've been doing the whole time. Over the funny thing is, well, what happened during the retribution attack they want to play and into later on was in the midst of all this, AJ Styles decided to take a shot at Jeff Hardy's knee. Yeah, exactly. He kicks him in the back of the leg, which if you go back and you watch that moment, it's just funny because Jeff Hardy's kind of just standing there while one of the retribution guys injured f- crawling on all fours is kind of have a little bit more urgency in what you're doing. I know you're there to take that knee bump, but damn, talk about standing there waiting for a spot. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This whole thing is just weird. I really hope that you're wrong still about the retribution thing. And that there's some plan. I'm not expecting, now that I've seen that many, there's no logical way that all of them can be unmasked and be somebody. I don't even know how many people they would get shoot to be able the to, fact, to do to do that. The fact that we went from, what, five, six the first time we saw them, and it was like 12, we now know. They did not know who this group was going to be. They might know now, but they damn sure didn't know in the beginning because that's a hell of a jump in numbers right there for them to know who it's going to be. Well, even if they know now, I'd be impressed because I wouldn't even know now with those numbers. Like, how would I take everyone without sacrificing the entire roster? There'd be very few people left. You know what it is? Retribution is going to be renamed 205 Live by the time it's over. This will be everybody in 205. That would be such a disappointment. It would be, that would be, because that's about the size of that roster at this point. Can you imagine 205 lives coming and revolting? That would be, what is this like now? Oh my God. I would have to take a break from this. I'm tapping out if we get like a, almost an LWO style deal going on with these dudes, (laughs) man. Like out of nowhere amongst all the shit going on, we suddenly have. We're talking nothing but impact on Monday night. The cruiserweight revolt. Oh my God. It's going to be the day when at the end of the show, we're talking nothing but impact and everybody wonders why it stops at that. And some of them were really big and girls and with colored hair and tips and different shit. Can you imagine the 205 Live thing? I almost feel like erasing this because I want All to I'm saying is there's certain ones or there's certain weeks, and I've never pointed it out on the show, there's certain weeks where I'll see one and I don't see that one again. Yeah. Like, what Like like what about that one that got right up in the camera talking about some? this is our house now? I ain't seen him since. Yeah. So, uh, Grand Metallic, when we speak of these cruiserweights during oh. SmackDown, took a really nasty bump. I'm not exactly sure. He was probably trying to go for a Hurricane Rana. And, so, uh, I'm thinking didn't. one or two things happened. Either he was supposed to get powerbombed and was too far, or Metal League legit, like, just 
Yeah, we could look at this here. I think Metalik might have crashed and burned. But he oh, connected was it with Cesaro on the way through. And now oh, is this after it already? The inverted explosion. After it, hold on. I'm to get it up here. The golden links, buddy. And look at Dorado go all fired up. Huge opportunity for the Lucha House Party to win the gold tonight. Sidesteps Nakamura, and look at Dorado go. You can't discount Kalisto on the outside, shouting motivation and instructions to his Lucha Libre housemates. Dorado. Look at the athleticism of Lince Dorado. And Nakamura misses wildly with a kick. Dorado connected with one of his own. And now Lince off the, the rope with a moonsault. See, sometimes it's just too Lucha. Again as he goes to the yeah. second rope. And Dorado now going for the trifecta. Like, you don't need three Could be Moonsault yeah. from the top rope. Could it, it was cool when up. Daniels did it to win the ROH World title because he's never done three in a row, but it's like he does this all the time. Yeah. But yeah, somewhere around here, I just remember there being like this death-defying bump. That this might be it coming up. Yeah, here we go. Oh, there it is. Did you so see that shit? Hold on a minute. Yo, he slammed. Yeah, but look at the uh, agility. Look at the salt that he takes here. Dorado. Is he all right? I don't even know. Oh, holy Did shit, man. What the fuck was I that? Mean, Do you see what I mean? That's, there's such a thing as too lucha. I think Metalik. You know what I mean? Oh. Yeah, but look at the uh, Way too lucha. That's a Dorado. very bad lucha and thing. Grand Metalik flies oh. over the top. Damn, dude. Yo, that? that was a shoot reaction. I think Metalik might have crashed and burned. But he connected with Cesaro on the way through, and now Nakamura. That is not good, man. Two lucha, two lucha, two oh, lucha. Oh my god! is like he's dead. Yeah, probably. He wasn't. He was. He didn't look okay for the rest of that. They did an angle, so then that's the messed up thing. So, so we got a uh, Kalisto who just returned from injury, and the guy who just returned from injury is the only guy that's had ringside. He doesn't even get to uh be in the match, so that's his big return. And then at the end of this insult to injury, uh, basically, uh. Kalisto and Lince, they wind up arguing with each other. They're kind of pushing each other, and you got poor Grand Metalli. He's supposed to be in the middle. Like, everything's all discombobulated because of that bump, but they do their best to go through this angle where I guess Kalisto and Lince are mad at each other, and Metallic's in the middle holding them apart. And I'm thinking, this poor guy just got back from injury in the return of the Lucha guys, and in the first match, one of them nearly fucking dies, and now they all just, it looks like they're breaking up the stable. Like, right there and then, all of that happened. So much information. And it's the SmackDown before SummerSlam. So that's what kind of made me laugh about it. I'm thinking, you know how confused? Like, you do all the storyline progression. Most of the year, we don't do anything. But then you do all the storyline progression. There's one little fucking segment. We brought, we brought a guy back and, and bumped another guy and then lost a stable. Oh, God. Corey Graves, congratulations on two Banks belts. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> it's two belts, Banks. But- Banks belts. But you were close with oh. two Banks belts. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so then the other thing about SmackDown, and this was in order for... Uh, I, it's even hard for me to explain this because of how stupid it is that I want you to try to stay with me for this because it's worth it just to give you an example of the weird things that they do. So in order to determine, as you know, Oscar has to face both... Bailey and Sasha Banks at SummerSlam for their respective titles. So they decide that they're going to determine which one of them has to face Asuka first and which one of them has to face Asuka second. Because obviously your advantage would be you get sort of like a rundown tired champion or, or challenger rather. Asuka's already gone through one match. So obviously the second person to go has the advantage here. So, so they decide to do a beat the clock challenge. They use Naomi. 
whoever beats the clock faces Asuka second at SummerSlam. Now, the problem with this logic is because the whole reason you want to win is because you go second against your opponent, Asuka, and she's already worn down, right? Yep. But based on that logic, Bailey in the challenge to get that advantage is going second versus Naomi after Sasha tapped her. So Bailey was already given the advantage that she's fighting for in the, in the fucking beat the clock challenge because she's going second now against a fatigued person to win. And it's only, and so, and it's only, uh, Naomi. So she already had that advantage to get that advantage. You know what I mean? And then. Yeah. Uh, so that was just weird. It's kind of like if you're going to do a beat the clock challenge, then each of them should have had to face somewhat of a similar opponent, but two fresh opponents, because that's the whole reason why they want this, because you have a way, worse. because you have and a way better advantage. Out. And then, yeah, exactly. And then they add insult to injury by making Bailey look like a weak, shitty champion because she couldn't even win against a worn down Naomi after Sasha taps her out when she had the advantage that she was fighting for and she needed that against Asuka. So uh, just when you're confused enough about why it is that they're coming up with all these different challenges to make it different ways. They just ended up having Oscar come out and kill them both. They're just like, fuck it, you both suck. Bye. Blah. You, you, you literally could have <laughs> just flipped a coin and got the same result. It was just so weird to have a beat the clock challenge where the winner gets to go second against an opponent. And in the beat the clock challenge, one of the challengers is going second against the opponent. Like, no one... Like, how the hell did that even happen? You know what I mean? And keep, and keep in mind that Sasha tapped Naomi in three minutes and 39 seconds. So that basically means Naomi went over the SmackDown Women's Champion in under five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> but then Which... the booking got even better because then we uh, we had the basic little situation with Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. But, this was amazing. <laughs> but before I even get to that, here's what I love about this. This is on, only in WWE can you just randomly just throw someone into an angle they're not in just so that you could shit on them. Look what did you see what they did to Dana Brooke? Watch this. Wait, what? Sonia, listen. I just wanted to say I'm I'm extremely sorry for everything that you went through this week. And if it's you... nothing I can't handle. Shit out of her. Fucking Yo, dude, what was that? that somewhere was out just there, like, Shawn Michaels is like damn good. But they, it was almost like they just were like, "Fuck it, let's just let Sonya they, they slap the Dana Brooke." They didn't even give a good reason. It's not like they even could have her just accidentally say something stupid. Dana's existence was the reason at this point. She came on and was very respectful. Like they didn't even bother to try. They just wanted her to get slapped so bad that they couldn't even write something good. They were just like, "Fuck it, she gets slapped." I want a bitch better have my money slapped. Like she could have just had a moment where she said something that Sonya took the wrong way, but they were just really anxious to get to that slap. Jesus Christ! Uh, AJ Styles loses his title in a match that I believe wasn't supposed to be originally for SummerSlam. He loses to Jeff Hardy, and the weird part about it was the way they went about it. Because this goes back to what you talked about earlier with Retribution. Retribution is attacking everyone. AJ uses that opportunity to kick Jeff Hardy in the back of the leg, thus injuring him for their match later on. So poor Jeff's limping around. They show him with doctors. He has a foot brace and all this shit. Barely makes it to the ring. Throughout the match, he's suffering. You know, it's one of those kind of situations. He's falling off the ropes. Nothing's going good for Jeff. He manages to get one lucky hit with the the knee brace on. 
And uh, that's pretty much all she wrote. It puts AJ down. He's able to swanton him and he wins AJ's title, which was the weirdest booking decision I've ever seen. It was like, first of all, you it was before SummerSlam. You did it on SmackDown. You just had AJ drop the title. And Jeff Hardy's great and everything, but you literally emphasized AJ Styles kicking this dude's ass during the retribution chaos. The guy needed a doctor and a knee brace. He's barely moving around. The whole match is about him favoring his leg. And one little weird moment, I'm supposed to believe that the phenomenal AJ Styles got killed by an injured Jeff Hardy when really these two guys were being portrayed as equals that go way back and know each other very well and shit. If either one of them's that fucked up, the other one should just have a high advantage let alone for a title, especially when AJ most of the time is portrayed as a fighting champion. I don't know what the booking decision of this was and why it snuck in there before we even got to SummerSlam. And the funny thing about it is, not to jump too far ahead, I don't know if you caught it during the pre-show, but I think they mentioned something about they were supposed to fight tonight. Yeah, but no, instead they gave us that weird thing. And don't get me wrong, I'm fine if, if, if Jeff, yeah. Jeff Hardy beats AJ Styles for the title. It wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't think twice about it. It's weird that they went through all that trouble to do it that way, where it just came out shitty, at least in my opinion. If you guys think it's great that AJ had to sneak around and have this guy limping and practically dead and still lost his title on SmackDown before SummerSlam, then yeah. sure, go right. Then I'm, I'm an asshole. You know, if you think, on the other hand, that AJ and Jeff deserve a good feud and a good match that would have been on SummerSlam. That's been on par with uh, the two they had in TNA. Then, then no. Then, but I, I'm just kind of saying, kind of weird that we had a limping around Jeff Hardy match that they planned on him winning anyway for a title that should have been on a pay-per-view and wasn't with AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy that you could have had on there. That's all. That's the reason I wanted to talk about SmackDown before we mm. go into SummerSlam, because that's what you didn't get. But a lot of things did happen there. But you got to see the Thunderdome. I need a sound effect when we talk about the fucking Thunderdome. I don't oh, know what God. It should be Everybody's sending your suggestions of what the sound effect for the Thunderdome should be. And no, it cannot be the Thunderclap. So what do you think? There's going to be a good Jeff Hardy title run? I mean, he's never had a bad run with the IC title before. so I don't even really remember his title runs that much, to be honest. I mean, I know there's always crazy shit in them. Yeah. I just remember, I remember his, uh, I don't know if it was the last one. Most frequently, mainly because he and Morrison almost killed each other in that one ladder match. Yeah. Oh, boy. What a pain in the ass that is, though. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, they changed the stipulation of Mandy and Sonya for no reason at all. But, yeah. Yeah, what was that all about, right? I I, I don't get it. Like, that's another thing. Uh, that's another reason we had to bring up SmackDown. <laughs> going into going into SmackDown, the, the Mandy Rolls thing that was supposed to be for hair, the whole storyline has been about hair turned into a a loser leaves wwe match somehow yeah basically mandy had cut a promo talking about how she still believed that there was good in sonya she wanted the friend back that she spent the last five years with later on in the night sonya comes out and pretty much just says oh uh, like what, what did she say um she said like what did you think this was just gonna go away one way or another you're gonna face me and then she starts doing her little crazy thing and it's like oh, okay we're gonna raise the stakes and it's gonna be uh, loser leaves WWE match. It's like you could have still just kept hair versus hair. Like you, you could have had her get shaved and then just go away for a little while. And like, uh, like Kula saying in the chat room, that's the stasis had that thesis as well. And I've heard that a few times yeah. already. A lot of people feel that that stalker stuff that happened to her that we talked about this past Monday uh, just had an effect where maybe she just decided that she needs a break from this. Like she doesn't need to be putting up with this right yeah. now, which is possible. I feel like either way, that's what it could have been. Like That angle, that Otis angle and this whole thing's just going through so many road bumps, huh? 
you know? Yeah. I just don't see, like, you could have had her go away for a while and still just not randomly change the paper, change the stipulation two days before the event. Yeah. I guess. Like, that's the problem. Like, I just feel like you could have gone there a lot easier. They they took a way more complicated route to get there than they needed to. It's almost like they don't, uh, you know, there's no such thing as worrying about building up anything anymore, unfortunately. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. As long as they're putting on a product, they're fine with what it is. And I mean, in some cases, I almost can't blame them given the state of the world. They're doing most, more than most. But it's just that there's so many things I see that could easily be handled better or that are just handled strange. And especially if it's a hair thing. Yeah, that's the problem. It's not even that it's just changed up. It's just literally you could have taken a way easier route and gotten to the same. Jesus. Thank Final you, Flash! Thank you, Shao Ali, for liking the stream there. I believe it must Appreciate. be on Facebook. Thank you, sir, for that. Very cool. But yeah, here's hoping. Anyway, now we get to talk about the actual pay-per-view. SummerSlam. SummerSlam. Block was just to bring you up to speed on what's happening here. We opened the show with the Universal Championship. You mean the U.S. Championship? I'm sorry, the U.S. Championship. Ooh, I was about to say, what the fuck do you Apollo see? Apollo Crews versus MVP. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was the case? Yeah. Apollo Crews versus MVP. 43% of you feeling that Apollo Crews would defend his title, where 57% of you feel MVP would take it from him. Apollo Crews goes over. Yeah, this match was kind of short. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the whole, I don't know. It, it just seems like there's not really much that they know what they want to do in regards to to this, aside from have these guys go back and forth. Um, I'm not very excited about it. I don't know what your take is on what you've seen so far. I mean, I'm glad to see Apollo getting these opportunities, but it's 2020. The fuck is MVP challenging for championships for? Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's, just it's, a it's, not, convin- it's not 2007. It's not convincing at all that this guy is going to be champion. Yeah, no, it really isn't. It feels like a wasted slot. And yeah, they're, they're all athletic and MVP, even for his age, he's a guy who definitely can still bring it more so with his personality, though, in my opinion, than what he yeah. brings in the ring. Uh, Apollo Cruz is finally getting the push that he deserved to get years ago. And it's unfortunate that it's under these circumstances because there's a lot of younger talent that he would have looked better in the ring with. Uh, they exactly. did what they could with it. It wasn't the fault of either performer. Again, it's just a thing about bad booking. Nothing against MVP, but that's not somebody that I would specifically put in the current era of feuds right now. So, uh, you know, like I said, they did what they could for the match. It was a good kickoff match. This was actually originally placed into the center of the card, which they did not comply with. So it, they got kicked off, literally. That's why they called it the kickoff what match. Else is new with them? They don't know ahead of time who they're going to kick off. But apparently for this, it was these guys. Yeah. I mean, MVP busted out new music tonight, which sounded similar to his TNA music. Yeah, I did hear something different in the music. That I wasn't sure exactly if that's what it was. Yeah, he definitely... Took, I mean, God, I don't know why it took this long, but yeah, he broke out new music. So. Yeah. Uh, well, that is certainly something interesting. So, what do you think? What's next as far as this title goes? They need to move Cruz on from this. Like, let the hurt business do whatever they want to do. But I need Apollo Cruz fighting guys who are actual contenders, not like MVP and Lashley and Shelton. Let them let 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 let, let them do their thing, but. Like I, I, I mean, for God's sake, you have fucking Andrade, a former U.S. champion, Angel Garza, a former cruiserweight champion. I mean, there's, there's, there's places you can go with this, but like MVP, like no, you got, you gotta have better than that. There's gotta be something better than that out there for him. Yeah, well, I can't argue with you there, man. 
Well, that's what you had for your kickoff available on YouTube. After that, we had, I believe it was the SmackDown women's title match, correct? This is Bailey defending against Asuka, was it? Was that the first yep. one? Yep, they kicked it off. Okay, and uh, so the way this match goes, and this is interesting, you're going to need to remember this for later on. So essentially what happens is Asuka hits the ropes, but uh, Sasha gets up on the ropes and winds up taking a sacrificial hit. Like she sees Asuka coming. And uh, despite that, she sort of realizes that this is an opportunity for her to be the sacrificial lamb and take a bump, which would leave Bailey wide open to dominate the W and then get out of there. And cleverly enough, Sasha, with Eddie Guerrero-esque tactics, it pull, she pulls it off. Lovely. You know, she's on the apron. Oscar's distracted. Bailey goes over. And it was only at the sacrifice of having to take a hit. Yeah, because she literally rolled Bailey up into the... Um that inside cradle as Oscar was still on the ropes. He hadn't even come off yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of the match overall? I mean, Bailey and Oscar have never had a bad match, so I wasn't surprised to see this uh, turn out as good as it did. This is actually kind of cool for Bailey because I believe this is Bailey's first one-on-one victory against Oscar. Yeah. Like championship or not. I don't think she'd ever beaten her before tonight. So this was a, definitely a nod um, for Bailey. I like that they mentioned what was kind of cool was Bailey was breaking out a lot of moves she hadn't broken out in a long time. Yeah, she did, including her old finisher. You know, which yeah, the, the, yeah. that's probably because they put it over on the network recently with the new documentary. But yeah, I'll yeah, go with um, that. Uh, yeah, the new Untold, which told the story of Takeover Brooklyn when they basically stole the whole show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll go with that jumping DDT off the steps. Not Bailey, Michael. It was Oscar with the jumping DDT. Um, and Bailey with that corner sunset bomb on Oscar, where she sort of, she went uh, overselling it. Like she over, uh, calculates and her legs wind up hitting and she sort of recalls back. All of that looked rough. Yeah. Brutal stuff. Uh, you know, the hip attack that she did there, everything there, as usual. You get a good match out of both of these guys here. But again, interesting storytelling here. I'm not going to say 100% agree with it, only because it takes, uh, it's a little bit, this was a time for them to be very specific and very detailed what was going on. But just remember that that, uh, that that goes into play. As a matter of fact, we don't really even have to do that in order, do we? We can talk about that. Well, actually, whatever. Let's just let it roll the way it is. Yeah, because it, it was a solid hour before yeah, Oscar yeah. came there out. Was, again, there was so. some time that, that traversed between that. That being said, 86% of you saw Oscar going over in this no one saw Bailey retaining. 14% of you thought it would be DQ, no contest. So you thought, yeah, that's interesting. Interesting numbers there. Haha. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I guess they were looking in history. So, I mean, huh? Yeah. So be it. Uh, so then after this, we had the Raw Tag Team title match with the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford defending their titles against Andrada and Angel Garza being accompanied by Selena Vega. Yeah. And the finish is um, after Selena gets knocked off of the apron, Andrade goes to check on her, and Angel's left by his own to take the cash out in the street profits retain. Mm-hmm. Yes. I like that Montez is legit like 180 with that move now. Yeah. Like purposely turning completely in the opposite direction. That is a ridiculous level of body control. Yeah, no, it definitely is. All of these guys look really good, and they'll put on like a really good show here. Uh you know, Andrade really wrung the shit out of Dawkins with that spinning elbow at that point. Like, oh, that he, was pretty he, brutal. It wasn't as bad as like when Sedgwick caught it, and I swear to God, whichever one of you, I think it's Phillips up there, talking about it's knocked out superstars in the past. It knocked out one. 
<laughs> like <laughs> he shoot knocks out one guy. Okay, I mean, knocking relax. out any guy is not good. You know, it means you got to make some yeah. major adjustments to your stuff when that kind of shit starts happening. Um, yeah. You know, luckily he had to have it happen since. So. Yeah, but no, it looked really good. You know, the match. Uh, very little to complain about here. I think they all did a really good job, and uh, I don't think that this other team's ready yet as far as uh, tag titles go. Anyway, yeah, nasty bump uh-huh. that it took there when they double teamed them outside on the apron. Yeah, I love how like when the Street Profits came out, they had Solo Cup Pyro. Yes, yes, it rained <laughs> cups both at the top of the ramp and once again when they got into the ring. That's that's shit you could only pull off in the Thunderdome. You couldn't pull that out with a real crowd. Nah, you really couldn't. And Somebody would have caught a broken Solo Cup to the eye, and that would have been a whole different kind of bowl of worms. Yeah, the Street Profits are one of the unique examples in WWE at this point of a of a proper rise to fame. So that's something that uh. We're very lucky about, you know. Yeah, those guys have definitely come under their own. They've been one of the top attractions when it comes to the tag team division. Mm-hmm. Angelo Montez, congratulations on retaining the Raw Tag Team titles tonight here at your first SummerSlam appearance. Now, I need to ask you how satisfying it was to just de- de- defeat. I almost said destroy. I apologize. No, that's defeat. Okay. That's okay. You're I thought excited. you'd. Have, I know. I knew you'd appreciate that. First of all, thank you. To all, to all of the WWE Universe, we have to thank you for joining us in this very special time. And we all know how the world is right now. We know, we know. But we are just so glad that your Street Profits can not only perform and do what we do, but still, in the Thunderdome, come out as your WWE Raw Tag Team Champions. God, we did it, man. We did it. We did it. And you know what? It just lets you know that. You know what? They could try to poison us. WrestleMania broke my back, still showed up. So it just lets you know that the street profits are clearly indestructible. Oh, yeah. The one thing about street profits, yeah, we like to have fun. We like to throw red cups. Right. We like to drink orange juice and all that. That's right. But don't get it twisted, dog. The eye in the sky does not lie. Don't get it okay? twisted. Okay? Zelina want to give these boys false hope. Guess what? Street profits do more than just win. We annihilate that false hope. We don't give nobody no false hope. False hope, it doesn't exist in the land of the prophet, in the land of the streets. We don't play that, dog. We don't play that, dog. We don't play that, dog. We don't play that. Hey, we the longest reigning Raw Tag Team Champions since what? Since, since what? 2016? Oh, yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. That means we ain't nothing to be playing with, dog. That means we ain't going nowhere because we live by four words that Sarah Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins live, breathe, and die by. And that simply is, we want the smoke. Come on, you want to go celebrate, Sarah? Oh, Come on, you lead the way, ladies oh, first. Oh, oh well, oh, great. First. Just follow first. me. Thank you. Ah, there you go. <laughs> They're fun. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So uh, what do we have else on here? We talk about the street profit percentages here. Uh. Believe it or not, to go through the results of this Actually, one. 15% of you only thought the pre- Street Profits. You thought this was going to be the time of Angel Garza and Andrade. Really? Yeah, it seems like they're teasing that team to split. Because they keep having issues here and there. Yeah. Well, that's not what happened there. So we finally get this Loser Leaves WWE No DQ match, formerly a hair match, going on here. Mandy Rose versus Sonya Deville. Very interesting. Uh, choice in attire from Mandy Rose. I wasn't sure what she was going for with this. 
Yeah, I'm, I may not be sure what she was going for, but I do know what she succeeded at. <laughs> you know. Riding through the desert of Egypt. Yeah, not for nothing, man. But like I said in the chat, I haven't seen camel toe like that since the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> that was that, that 90s camel toe. That was toe. like that fly girl. Camel <laughs> toe, you know, it was something else. The mush that and some play doh. Yeah, it was kind of like, holy hanging crap. up on your kids' walls. <laughs> that thing is right there. <laughs> yeah. anyway. a three way dance we never knew we needed. Yeah, it really was, right? Triple threat. Mandy Rose versus Sonny Deville versus Camel Toe. Uh, Mandy Rose, unfortunately, cannot set up a table. She's small. They try to make her this little angry character, but really, she's tiny. It must be difficult as hell not to kill someone who cannot set up a table. You know, she looks good, though. Very athletic. Very cool. Um, you know, but she had a really bad spot. And there was that spot where uh, she was throwing chairs at Sonya, like the table set up on the side, like where they are now. She was kind of throwing chairs and they were going like straight over her. Really cool. You know, very dangerous, but really cool that they were uh, able to time it where she ducks and the chairs fly over her head. Uh, Mandy did a good job laying in those running knees. She's always been really good with those. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, my favorite, my favorite move of her whole offense, I think. Yeah, we got a, I believe it was Deville who, who goes for normally she goes for awesome cons, uh, in plan buster, but instead Mandy Rose turns the tables and winds up using it on her because she tries to use it and winds up getting reversed. And then yeah. uh, Mandy Rose later on, she winds up implementing that. So I thought that was cool. Thought that was, uh, very well done. The match felt a little bit short and it felt like anticlimactic. Like they hadn't really put too much thought into what was going to happen, uh, when the match was over or anything. There was no send off. It didn't feel. You know, if they were going for the loser leaves WWE, first of all, if you're going to do something like that, you're basically calling it a career match. That needs a little bit more buildup so that the, the impact can, you know, hit the crowd when this does happen. And normally, and it's yeah. the first time in my life I've ever seen, even if it's a, it's, it's a work and not a shoot, you would have that moment afterwards where, uh, you know, you have the, uh, the person whose career's over, even if it's a heel, where you have them alone in the ring. You know, and there's like no commentary or anything. They're just like in the ring and you get like the wide shot of them and they're like looking around, like kind of like taking in the fact that their career is over. This is literally something everybody, every heel's gotten, every baby face, that moment when their career ends and it's the end of that match that their career ended in. And even if it's at work, it's just weird to me that there was, it was almost like they dusted her to the side and Mandy celebrating with Otis and that was it. <laughs> You know, just like, well, fuck her career. Time to do the worm or the caterpillar or yeah. whatever it is, you know? Oh, my it's God. Like, and that fucking, oof. Which, of course, it didn't work. But isn't it, isn't it weird to you that even in an angle like this, which if, if what people are saying is true, the speculation is true, and Sonya Deville needs a break because of that stalker, we don't know her mentality or how that affected her or if this would be the last you see her or how long she would need. You definitely want to capitalize on that being like a closure to something. Yeah. Even when John Cena quit being a nexus remember when they forced him into the nexus and he had the armband and he left and had like that sad shit where like john cena and they show kids crying because john cena's career is over now remember that yeah they've they've done that every time that dude didn't miss a monday afterwards he didn't miss one monday motherfuckers were crying and everything (laughs) made a big he didn't miss he wasn't the very next monday he was taking out nexus members like backstage and he was like outside and he was like beating them up like in sneak and stuff he was still there he was very much like in the storyline. He's fired, but I got more John Cena when that happened than I'd ever gotten before. He was everywhere. They were Nexus members then, like watching their backs and shit. This, so, this mean, literally goes back into why even change the stipulation at that point. Exactly because they didn't take advantage of the fact that if you're going to have somebody's career be over, where was Sonya Deville? I didn't get to see any reaction from her after her fucking career in WWE was ended against the person who she hated enough to put it on the line against. Lazy. 
there's a complaint there. So, yeah. What do you think? Valid complaints? Oh, definitely. First of all, like I said before, stipulations should never even been changed. The whole thing of her maybe needing time away isn't an excuse because you could literally have her get her head shaved and then, oh, in storyline, she's so embarrassed and ashamed, she disappears for a while. Give her time to get her head right, get her mind right, and then she can come back, hey, new look, new Sonya, but she didn't forget. A change of stipulation literally accomplished nothing. Yeah, very, very unfortunate, very unfortunate stuff here. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully it goes somewhere good. Uh, I feel Sonya sort of got shitted on, but maybe she wanted an abrupt exit, and that's the best they could do with the shitty writers they have. Hey, everyone. Backstage of SummerSlam at the WWE Thunderdome with Mandy Rose and Otis. Mandy, congratulations. Thank you, This Kayla. thing with you and Sonya has been going on far too long, nearly a year. How does it feel to be the one to put all of this to rest and send Sonya packing? Honestly, uh... I am feeling so many different emotions. I'm just so happy, so relieved that I can just focus on myself and my Otis. Yes! Thanks for coming out there, by the way. Absolutely. And just, oh my gosh, she's just, I'm so happy to just have her away from me, to be honest. Get her down the road. Take a hike. That's right. Take a hike. And Otis, you've got to be extremely proud of your beautiful peach, right? Oh, yes, my spicy pepper. She came out to that ring and marching down there like a a human cast iron hot. (laughs) and steamy came in for some action she didn't stop we might not be the most uh probably the most odd couple maybe but you know what we have we, we have each other's uh, support That's and i'm right. telling you what tonight we, we put a chapter a little dent into our uh, journey of careers and uh, yes That's i'm just right. i just cannot believe and uh i mean baby you did it baby how, just, how about I'm my so... caterpillar yeah what well, how would you rate her caterpillar i i give it like an a plus oh the caterpillar <laughs> I'd say one out of 50, it was a 50, baby. Yes, it was. She, we both had the hips, and you know, when I told her to drop down, get it going, she brought it. I can only do it. it in place. I can only do it in place. It's okay, baby. You know, you know that's life. We can only do it in place at first, and we keep on going, marching, and cash this bad boy in. I think it's time to celebrate. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, let's go well, celebrate. Before, before yeah, can you guys go, I, I do want to hit on the fact that we are in this newly reimagined WWE Thunderdome. Yeah. You were out there in front in. of I'd virtual be What was that like? It was so good. A lot of faces. A lot of faces. It was very different, obviously. I mean, we've never seen anything like this, but it was so cool. You know, you actually felt that the fans were with you, which is awesome. So we a little, um, something, something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we just we just miss it. That's part. That's part oh, of the love gosh. of what we do, baby. That crowd, the, you know, the screaming. But at least that they're seeing the action. We that's see right. them cheer, tooting, hollering. Yes. Yes. Well, again, Manny, congratulations. Thank You're so you. deserving. And uh, I know. Look, I, I want to let you guys uh, get to celebrating. Oh yeah, baby. Celebrate. Lead the way, my peach. All right, let's the tea's in that briefcase, and it never guys. gets used, you know, and the pounding on it and all that other shit, and nothing ever happens with it. What a pain. Oh, but then again, I used to get tired of the false cashing after false cashing after false cashing. Yeah, there's no way for them to tease him. Like, he doesn't fit into the main title scene with the things that they're doing, so it's almost like, what are they going to do? It literally has to be, like, some kind of, like, freak accident, and then he just shows up. Like I don't know. And then again, I mean, we've seen people hold on to little briefcases for quite a while. Edge held on to that almost a whole length of uh, the timeline before he cashed in. Yeah, pretty much. But it be- it becomes less meaningful. And it's just strange when you don't have, like, a way for the guy to cash in. Like, how when's the next money in the bank? It's, we've got a ways for it. Yeah, a long way for him to just sit on that damn title. There were better opportunities. Because yeah, money in the bank was right after WrestleMania this year, so... Yeah, that's the problem when you do things without thinking ahead of time of where the hell the angle's going to go. 
or just start changing up shit for no reason. Yeah, you just basically decide, hey, we're just going to change whatever's happening. None of this shit matters. What a pain. So anyway, I believe after this, did we even go into the results? I keep forgetting we have the results. I'm making people vote, put up the polls and have the results here. <laughs> yeah, 58% for Mandy Rose, 42% for Sony Deville. I guess you guys thought that uh, Mandy Rose is going to get an even shorter haircut. But, uh, Damn. <laughs> but that's not at all what happened here. So then we have the street fight. The anticipated street fight. Seth Rollins versus Dominic Mysterio being accompanied by Rey Mysterio. And uh, the finish to this being Dominic eating a blackout, a.k.a. curve stomp, in front of his handcuffed father. Game of Thrones style. Isn't that the way, like, two of the, the story of how uh, they killed Ned? They killed Ned's brother. and <laughs> you know, like Didn't they, they kill a couple of people underground like that? They poisoned one of them and then handcuffed them so they were just out of reach? Yeah, exactly. They're one of those just out of reach medieval Cersei Lannister type fucking thing. And I swear <laughs> to God, Rey Mysterio has the best crying, like, and like Mel Gibson at the end of the Mist Wales I've ever heard in my life. Mel Gibson at the end of the Mist. <laughs> you know the one. Uh, uh. That was me- that was extra, man. I believe in the book that doesn't happen. That little extra shit at the end. Don't spoil for anyone to see, but that little extra last few minutes. You ain't seen it. Come on now. That little <laughs> last few minutes of shittiness was added into the movie. Just to twist the knife. Just to twist the knife. Uh, yeah, because I tell you right now, to this day, I saw that movie, I don't know how many years ago. That is still one of the greatest kick in the nuts I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but no, nah, kid did good. Yeah, I didn't mind him at all. I think uh, he looked picture perfect in the ring. And the reason why I say this is because uh, he didn't look like the kind of guy that was going to do Lucha Libra style things when I saw him. Because every time I saw him, they were using him more like a big man, like a brawler type, you know, and they never really hinted at what kind of training he would be doing, like if he would be what kind of style. And obviously you would say because of who his father is, you would expect him to do that stuff. But because of his size, I just never thought that it would work out the way that it did. And surprisingly enough, it did. Like he looks excellent in the ring. I do like his attire as well. It looked, you know what it kind of reminded me of? Um, I don't know if you remember how he used to dress in the revolution. It kind of reminded me of Manic, where the hood is, a, is yes. permanently attached to the outfit. That is. I was wondering what it reminded me of. You're absolutely right. That's exactly what it looks like. But Dominic, I like it better on him. It works yeah. really well. He's so, in good shape, too. I didn't realize how good a shape he is until I saw him like in his gear. Yeah. Uh, he's in excellent shape. They are, like I said, there was a lot of cool stuff in regards to uh, things that they did here. And... uh He's definitely training and he's serious about this. And I guess you would expect it as Rey Mysterio's son. Uh, obviously, they probably have, have put him through training and he probably has a lot of natural yeah. talent. That was a crazy bump they took where the two of them went through the table together. I thought that was really solid. Oh, um, yeah. That you know. kid did. I remember I saw him on a video on Facebook earlier today. He literally said the only thing he wishes is that Eddie could have been here to see it. Yeah. Lots more kendo stick beating. Uh, you know. Maybe the shot <laughs> He hit Eddie's frog splash, which was really cool. Ray's wife winds up coming out, and Ray had to calm her down uh, in Spanish. You know, that was like to add to some of the drama, you know, when you have the parent come out. And then afterwards, uh, after Ray tries to convince his wife to stay out of it, unfortunately, Rollins couldn't convince his wife to do the same. So you had some... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you had some... <laughs> you had some Murphy interference in there. 
situation. <laughs> so it inevitably turned into a brawl. His wife is a former cruiserweight champion. Goddamn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh god. We get to see Dominic do a really cool six one nine. Uh, Two of. Mm-hmm. Rollins winds up getting his knees up for the splash at the, off the top. All of it was, uh, it, it was really cool, you know, but obviously they still want this feud to continue, I'm assuming, which is the reason why even though this was his debut match, we wind up getting Dominic getting his face stomped in. Yeah, because uh, one telling thing they had throughout the match was before Dominic made Ray promise, no matter what happens, you're not getting involved. And, and there were moments where I think I even heard at one point Dom said, uh, pretty much, no, Ray said to Dom pretty much say the word in a sense, like, tell me if you need my help. And Dominic continuously was like, stay away. And it just yeah. kept going and kept going and kept going until eventually Ray had to get involved. And that's what wound up turning into him basically Game of Thrones stomping him. So, yeah, and he winds up taking that getting handcuffed, which that's also really annoying. Like, come on, you're Ray Mysterio. I get that you're older and everything, but he handcuffed you so fast, <laughs> you know? Like, he handcuffed him like he was the guy who's never been in a wrestling situation before. Like, you're the same Rey Mysterio that had to fight the LWO when they all jumped you, right? And then you wound up joining them. And then you wound up fighting the NWO and all those other guys. I'm so mad. I thought you were going to go for, like, a few with the big show. You went to the fucking LWO. (laughs) I'm just saying, you're the Rey. You know, like, street shit. Like, you know, you're street smart is the way you're portrayed. You've been through shit. You've been with Eddie and all of them through, like, the wars during Nitro and everything. You've seen crazy stuff. You got fucking pole darted into the side of a trailer. Like, you know how hard it can be out here. And you're telling you got me thrown off a roof and money in the bank. And you're telling me that the guy who removed your eyeball and beat your fucking son half to death a few weeks ago, you weren't on guard enough <laughs> not to be handcuffed by him. <laughs> Dude, he handcuffed him so fast. This is shoot talk here. He handcuffed him so fast that I, I'm only aware of it because I saw him handcuffed afterwards. I looked at you guys in the chat and when I look back, Ray was there crying. I didn't even actually, I, this is shoot talk. Like, I actually legit didn't see the motion. I'll have to go back after this to see how he got him there. Because I legit looked at my screen, was talking to you guys, and when I looked back at her, ah! <laughs> it was like, what? <laughs> what no, I looked at no, you a minute no, ago, no, you were lie. contemplating. You back, you heard, ah! <laughs> like, come on, it's Rey Mysterio. Make him look better. Do better. Be better. <laughs> oh, God. But now, uh, it's kind of crazy that like it's kind of crazy the the what this this event SummerSlam in particular is meant to this family. I mean, Rey Mysterio's first WWE pay per view was SummerSlam. The first major time we saw Dominic on camera was SummerSlam, and 15 years later, this kid has his first match at SummerSlam. <laughs> that is true. And this was crazy. The, this was his father's first. Uh, this was something else, right? There were some other milestones. Like wasn't it his first pay per view or something? Yeah, yeah, this was uh, Dominic's pretty much his first match and his first pay-per-view all in the same go. But, I mean, wasn't it Ray's years ago or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was uh, Ray made Ray had his first WWE pay-per-view match against um, Kurt Angle at SummerSlam 2002. But look at that. It's even a milestone there. Yeah, it's crazy how far things come. I mean, good, damn good job, kid. <laughs> if this is how good in match one, oh, I can't wait to see how good this kid gets. Me neither. I'm right there with you, man definitely excited for him we're getting some new stars and they're coming from unlikely places yeah. uh, but yeah like i said and we had interference from uh the two wives and 619 <laughs> oh god just ruined buddy murphy for you why was you 87 percent of you thought dominant mysterio was going over 13 percent of you first seth rollins <laughs> you were wrong you thought that there was going to be some redemption for this family? Nah, not yet. 
you get way more of a reaction from sad Spanish family than happy Spanish family. Don't you know that? <laughs> that was so fucked up, but it was kind of cool because I hadn't seen Angie in years. Yeah. Literally in forever. I'm like, fucking look at Angie. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's just funny that Ray's the shortest person in his family right now. That is amazing. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> it makes me laugh to the day. Like, like his wife is huge next to him. Yeah, his wife has always been taller than him, but it's like everybody else is catching up. Like at this point, I hope to God his daughter is still shorter than him. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what else they're going to do here. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what's next release from this kid. Yeah, I think Ray, hopefully Ray still has another run in him. That's something else that I would like to see, you know? Yeah, give us that give us that father-son tag team match. If that's all he's got left in him, damn it, give us that. <laughs> you know, let there be a passing of the torch moment here. That's what we really yeah. need. Okay, so next we finally have the Raw Women's title match. Sasha Banks defending against Asuka with your voting results coming in with 71% of you feeling Sasha Banks will retain with 29% of you feeling that Asuka would go over here, finish being Asuka reverses the bank statement into the Asuka lock. Now that's the statement on paper. That's the finish on paper. But the real finish here, and this is where we're now finally starting to see the crumbling happening here, where... uh, so the exact same thing happened that happened in the previous match. Asuka's about to hit the ropes, but this time it's Bailey on the apron instead of Sasha. And Bailey's left with the exact same choice that Sasha is, whether or not she's going to sacrifice herself and take this bump to distract Asuka for the moment that Sasha needs so that they could run the same routine again. And it looks like Bailey's about to do the same thing. And then at the last minute, she pussies out and moves out of the way from Asuka coming at the ropes. So Asuka's momentum's fine. And there is no distraction for her to go over. Asuka and she hits just the ropes. Hit a spinning back fist. Yeah, she just hits her spinning, spinning back fist. And it's the beginning of the end. Uh, you know, Sasha does her best to try to recover into that bank statement. But the Asuka lock taps her. And she's kind of shocked looking at Bailey because she did take the bullet for Bailey in that exact sequence last time. So she knew exactly what she needed to do. You're going to get hit, but your friend's going to be able to get the pin and you get out of there. And this time Bailey just fucking moved. And then afterwards, she kind of looked around with this dumbfounded look on her face like, damn, sorry, fuck. <laughs> you know, so this, this it's like the first time you've really seen her where like that was shitty. Like that was just shit right there. Come on, Bailey. Yeah. Be better than that. What did you do? And this kind of sucks for Sasha because with this loss, Sasha on the main roster is 0-5 in championship defenses. But that's impossible. Like, well, where like, are we counting from? Because she had one against Charlotte back when they would feud back and forth for the title, right? No. Charlotte, whenever, whenever she beat Charlotte for the title, Charlotte would be right back. Right. But then how would she be 0-5? And what about the time that she beat Charlotte? Because, because they, they, traded the title, they, tra- they traded the titles back and forth three times. And then she beat, I think, Alexa Bliss once, and then Bliss beat her right back. Right. So then how would Sasha have all? Because she's never successfully defended it. She's always been able to win it, but she's never got past the first defense. Okay, so she always wins it and loses it on the first defense? Yeah, she's never had had, uh, had successful title wins, but on the main roster with a single championship, never defended it. So every time she wins it and it's time to put on the line, she loses it right back. Yeah. That sucks. Five zero oh, and five with that. That's crazy. I didn't know this that. Girl is jinxed. I didn't know that at all. And that sucks yeah. because you definitely deserve better than something like that. You know. Yeah. I mean, won't. She had a stranglehold on the NXT Women's Championship. She had gone through almost everybody. 
it has not been the same since she's been on the main roster. Yeah, and she's someone that Asuka's able to really do some cool stuff with. Um, oh, that yeah. crazy bump that they did where uh, she <laughs> power bombed her onto the ground. Uh, definitely fun. rough. You know, I guess they're just willing to, for certain events, you know, do their best and just take a nasty bump, right? Because yeah, uh, and I guess they know uh, they know Oscar t- can take a hit like that. So maybe Oscar knows that she could take a hit like that. I wouldn't want to be the one that chances and does some shit like that. And very often, we're seeing I, some I crazy sunset bombs lately. You don't really see crazy sunset bombs, but there was one on on Takeover, and then there was definitely this one today. This used to be the kind of spot that you would see tees that would never actually get pulled off, but uh. In this specific situation, they went straight into it. No hesitation. Look, Look at, at that this shit. shit. Look at how nasty this was. You know, and if we go back a little bit, let's go back and get the audio on here. Right leg into the right to the face. And I was just about to say, Tom, I didn't know where this aggression was coming from from Mosca. And it was only a matter of time before it ran out. And it just oh. ran out right there. Oh, my God. That is crazy. Like, that is nuts. Yo, the worst part was when they showed the replay. Because you literally see bodies, you literally see Oscar's body catch up with what already hit the ground. Yeah, the recalls coming oh. especially from a size like that, you know. But uh, yeah, so now they finally, even though I'm not for it, because I wanted them to do the the two belts thing as long as possible. Now they finally planted the seeds for what looks like it'll be Sasha versus Bailey at some point in the future. Uh, Maybe they're still teasing it. You know, maybe they fix it all. I mean, so far they've done that a few times and then they've kind of made up and they've made things right and they've schemed their ways back into uh, what they want. It really all depends on what they're planning on finally doing in the direction of this story. Yeah, definitely the fact that one of them just lost a championship will be quite a hit. And then the fact that they still have to defend them again next Sunday. Yeah, exactly. So now we have to see how they work together with there being that tension there. So that's what the new seeds being planted will be. I'm still really proud of you. Look, I ha- my Sasha. ear was ringing. This must be a really like, tough uh, moment for you. You still have one. You lost the Raw Women's Championship. Look, what happened out there? You don't have to answer any questions if you don't want to, because we can go talk about it. Let's go talk about it. It's fine. Uh oh. Yeah, even that showed a little bit of shade. Of, like what Bailey's just like running the show now, like. I mean, but and on top of that, congrats to Bailey, who now passed 300 and I believe now officially 318 days as champion. Yeah, congrats, yeah. Bailey. Better luck yeah. next time, Sasha. That's right. The, that's the that's what I was afraid of. Of all the scenarios, <laughs> of all the scenarios, I thought, what's the worst thing that can happen here? You know what yeah. the sad part is? <laughs> when we did the poll on Monday, and I went for Bailey losing and then sasha retaining i'd forgotten about the fact that sasha has never successfully defended a single championship on on the on the main show you know what i would have done instead of having that little distraught sasha backstage with bailey trying to cheer her up that i think would have really turned the knife i would have had them walking backstage and run into stephanie and then stephanie be like oh hey bailey congratulations on your title defense <laughs> and it'd be like Sorry, sasha, sasha good try as always and then just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like a kick right in the nuts, and then just fade to black. <laughs> Sasha's in there, looking like she's on the brink of tears. Bailey's just like, oh fuck! Man, I really didn't want that. In all seriousness, I wanted that to last a while. I wanted people to hate them with those titles. So oh yeah, more. So it could have been so good. Did. You know, I don't get what their obsession is with this curse on this poor girl and not be able to defend the championship. Yeah, I have no idea either, man. So, uh, yeah, that happened. We're going to see how this unfolds tomorrow night on Raw. And that leads us to the WWE title match. Drew McIntyre defending his championship against Randy Orton. Randall Keith Orton. 
the the keeper of titles. But the finish is he he uh McIntyre goes over Orton with a fucking backslide. backslide. Because he went for the claymore and I'll give them this. I've never seen a counter like this before. He literally ducked under and McIntyre goes over him. And then he goes for the RK and then they want the shit because he goes to the RKO and then he just backslides him. And I was like, what? Yeah, it was definitely different. You also had uh McIntyre when he reversed Orton's punt into what was like a nasty pop up power bomb almost type yeah. that they were doing there. It was like a quick power bomb. It was it was as WWE and I don't even mean it in a disrespectful way, but it was as WWE as a title match can be. Like if you want the check marks of what a typical WWE title match with typical WWE guys is, which there's nothing wrong with that if you're in the mood for that. You could always be in the flavor for, you know, vanilla if you don't want sprinkles, that's that day. You know, and that's sort of how I felt about this. It couldn't have been more of the textbook main event they, that they expect from guys that work and look like Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre in the main event. I have no complaints. You know, they did all the things that you would do there. You know what I mean? What else can I really say about it? Uh, I don't know, a little bit dry for my taste. And that's just me. Like I said, because I really have nothing on a technical critique for this. You know, it just, uh, it just felt like it was just their match. You know, it was, their, they, they had the kind of match that you would have there. You know, I don't know how you guys felt about it. You know, I felt the pacing could have been a little bit faster. And the whole thing was teasing the almost got him, almost got him with the RKO, almost got him with this, almost got him with that. Uh, that was a lot of the stuff that was happening there. Uh, good tension building in the match. Uh, Orton looking good as always. Unfortunately, I'm disappointed that we're not going to get uh, him with the title just because I thought we were going to get Edge with that last run. It looks like McIntyre's going to hold it, which makes you wonder who's his next um, opponent going to be, right? Yeah, going to be somebody different. And again, they worked really good together, but I mean, what now what happened? And also what happens with Randy Orton? What is, is this legend killer gimmick going to be over? Uh, are we going into something else with that? Like, what's the deal with that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird to see where they're going to go with this because there's a few different directions, but it's like, which one are they going to pick at this point? Yeah. So are they going to run this one back? Like, we don't even know. Like, Yeah, they're in an interesting place with certain things. You know, they're not in such yeah. an interesting place with others. You know. Any other thoughts about uh about this match? I mean, cool to see Drew getting his run to keep going. Um, what do you think of the the slight change with his music? Oh, uh, what that sword shit in the beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the sword thing. I can understand it in that case because I mean, use the claymore, and the claymore is probably one of the most famous swords in combat history. But I don't mind it. I guess because it doesn't feel as like over exaggerated as like whatever they do with like Ricochet and Alistair Black. But I just kind of feel like. Sometimes this is again. Remember, I was told that I felt that there's somebody in WWE that has nothing to do. That just goes around adding little shit here and there, like the little creepy <laughs> thing. Yeah. This is that again. Where all right, I get it, he's Drew McIntyre, but we just needed to add like a sword to the beginning. That's what he's missing. Ching, da, 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 his music comes on. You know, the little <laughs> ching. That, that's that's what pretty much he needed this whole time. If only we would have realized that he just needed that little ching to get over. You know, I don't know. I don't know. They didn't really incorporate anything. And even though they have like now an entire wall of graphics, they didn't even bother to incorporate a fucking sword after adding the sound effect. It's like it's in there for like a few seconds of the beginning of the graphic, but that's about it. Yeah. You know, like I have a special answer where he comes out with a fucking claymore. Like, it's like yeah, but no, they're not even going to do that. You know, I'm just saying that'd be some impressive shit. If you ever seen one of those things, you're freaking nuts. Like, yeah. So I don't know. Like I said. Uh, he has that good title match. And I know tonight they're going to get a lot of people with that thing that they put on the network after they went off the air. It's basically them showing what they went through during the uh, pandemic and uh, how they handled it and how McIntyre had to step up and, uh, you know, during these times and, you know, the, the whole thing, whatever, some of it, you know, whether or not, whatever. 
but that's probably going to be something that helps elevate him at least for those that stay up and watch that yeah you know but unfortunate also for his push that i couldn't think of a worse time for you to be champion like that dry which i hope they talk about and get to see that documentary and i'm sure we'll talk about it tomorrow on uh the main show but that yeah i want to watch that and untold so oh did you yeah, no, I say I'm gonna wind up watching both before the I'm, main show tomorrow. I'm wondering if they're gonna talk about that dry WrestleMania celebration that he got because when you really look at the three decades of WrestleMania, that has to be the most dry, no lube penetration WrestleMania celebration ever. Which, if anything, right. WrestleMania is known for it's those last moments when that champion stands in the ring and the pyro goes off and the fans react to him for the first time and they're ending the biggest show of the year on top holding the title. And poor McIntyre finally with the story that he has, the three MB guy who went away and went into the UK Indies and came back. And when he finally had that celebration that we didn't even have a single person there. It was just him by himself celebrating to the most dry. And this was before they got the production down to understand how to do it during that kind of a situation. And remember if you recall those early shows it was the most dry shitty thing ever i'm wondering if they're going to go into how it felt when people holding up their titles for the first time to that empty dry echoey performance center yeah i would like to see that because that was had, had to have been depressing yeah oh yeah it was depressing to watch it almost felt like the title win didn't happen and i hate to even say that you know but yeah. it is honestly how i felt like it almost felt like these weren't canon i think we we're at the main event right Yep, the main event of the evening. And that is it, guys. The WWE Universal title falls count anywhere match with Braun Strowman defending against the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Yep, the Fiend one year ago showed up at this very same event. Mm-hmm. So uh the finish is Strowman cuts the ring apron to expose the wood in the hard part, and then the Fiend winds up fucking him up on top of it. Yeah, but Yurinagi and two sister Abigails. Talk about backfiring. Right? And the Fiend is now a two-time Universal Champion. Your thoughts? Not only on the uh, the finish, but just overall what we what we were given here in regards to these two guys. Um it was interesting. You know, this didn't feel as physical as I expected it to be. But I did like that, truth be told, I haven't seen them do it in a while. But I don't like a lot of these Falls Count Anywhere matches. They literally went anywhere. They went back to, I don't know why they call it, like, the control room at his go position. Like, they went even back there, which we're actually seeing now. They went back there and started to fight. Um, they were kind of all over the place with this one at certain points. Um, we mentioned uh, the chat room during Lafine's entrance, how cool this entrance still is to this day. I heard a... um. I heard a rumor earlier in the week that there was a possibility they were going to have Code Orange, the band that does this variation of the Fiend's music, come out and play them out live. But not during this. We're still we're still yeah, far unfortunately, away from that, that kind of stuff happening. You know, you'll see it at some point. I think yeah. now they're scaling back on the magical, mystical stuff and the overproduction, which is good. But now you sort of have to get used to it because it surprised me how much of this was just a typical wrestling match. You know, how yeah. much of it, even though it was backstage and stuff, it was really the most normal I've seen The Fiend, I think, ever. Because every time you see The Fiend, it's like it's either the red light or some sort of immortality gimmick or him teleporting around. This is the first time where it was like, yeah, it was a no DQ match. They brawled backstage, but they were fighting. It was just the guy in the mask wrestling in a wrestling match, which I think it's good yeah. that you get that every now and then you know okay. yeah you're good yeah no solid stuff i really uh braun unfortunately he's somebody who he had another dry title run he's becoming like the big show maybe it's his fault maybe it isn't but he's just another one of those guys that he had like a dry ass title run you know nothing really happened sometimes i will forget where that title was yeah you know? at least with the fiend like you're not gonna forget that the fiend's champion yeah 
exactly. And it's kind of cool because not even just The Fiend also, I believe it was seven years ago, this was where Bray Wyatt had his first match, the Ring of Fire match with Kane. Really? So it's kind of crazy throughout the whole night how many people had these moments that, that their careers are linked to SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very interesting stuff here. And then we had a bit of a surprise return, which we yeah. didn't see coming. Maybe that's what they were talking about. Yeah, that's probably what the whole thing was, right? Oh, my God, what the hell? Who the hell? You know who the hell that is? God, it's Roman Reigns! Roman Reigns! The big dog is here! Roman Reigns is back! And he's beating the hell out of the Universal Champion! Looks good. Is he a heel? Is he a face heel? Like, what's happened? That, so, after we get this clip, it's actually going to get into it a little bit more, because I think it might have been. And now he's got his sights set on But it wasn't because of the attack. Fucking everybody up. Came back. It's just be one of those things where he came back to make a statement. I made you. You ain't a monster unless I'm here. Yeah, I hear you there, buddy. Yeah, and then um, he would also go, go into the ring and literally tell the fiend, "This is mine. You can't handle this responsibility." So maybe it's just him being a face, right? It could just be like he's almost in on neutral ground where it's just the fact that it's these two guys with the world that were battling over that title. Because, I mean, we all remember before he disappeared, he was supposed to be getting that belt off a of bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm glad he's back. I'm glad that that worked out for everyone. Uh, I'm glad he made a dramatic entrance and it did feel good to see him as interesting. I'm wondering what his first interaction with Rollins will be like. I can like a Messiah homeboy over there. Your crazy messiah yeah. decapitating. <laughs> yeah, well, considering they're on opposite shows, I don't know how that's going to turn out. But then again, oh, I think what Survivor Series is next. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I keep forgetting. We're still. Are we still really doing a brand split now? I mean, with the exception of Sasha and Bailey, pretty much. Nobody's mm-hmm. really jumping shows like that. Yeah, I guess so. Look at that. They stuck to something. It's amazing. But I think when it comes to where what what's next for Roman, I want them to take their time with it. Have him and Braun duke it out first, mainly because one, they have history, and two, of course, Braun's going to hear that line: "Oh, you weren't, oh, you weren't a monster without me. You're not a monster unless I'm around." With this new pissed off, pissy Braun Strowman, obviously he's going to take that a little personal. Knowing the fiend, the fiend would literally just sit back and watch and just pick the bones or whatever's left. Can't argue with you there, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're going to have to figure out how to stop giving these two ex Wyatts uh underwhelming title runs and main event pushers that ultimately wind up leading nowhere uh, because that's not yeah. doing anything for them you know so uh and also there was a big announcement we talked about this last night on the nxt takeover post show and <laughs> oh I said, yeah i said the only thing that i can think of with keith lee is that he's going to the main <laughs> brand and they did this Tomorrow night, Raw, that's what it's showing on the screen for you guys on iTunes, has no limits. Unless you get past day 46. And they're showing Limitless Keith Lee coming to Raw. So that's what we're doing tomorrow.
So like I said, even though I didn't agree with him leaving NXT, the only thing I could think of is that they were a rush to get this guy to the main roster so that he can have a main event presence, because he really does have a main event presence. And now a 45-day NXT championship run, so they've shot that in the foot. Yeah. Like, he has the second shortest reign in NXT history. To hell with their plans. Let him get a actual run, then call him up. Yeah, there should have been. Like, but there's no patience here anymore. I, I'm not disagreeing. I, 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 I could give a fuck about their plans. You don't send somebody up after a 45 day title run and they lose to a guy who apparently I find out now, uh, Carrion hurt himself before the finish, so the finish wasn't even planned. Uh, so that sucks. They just had to improvise the finish because of yeah. that. You know that that and, that uh, and now he's coming up to Raw. Yeah. I'm so excited. Can't you tell? Well, it <laughs> sucks that they had to call an audible for something like that. And now he's coming up to Raw, where although that will be considered like an honor and like it's great for the person, I guess as far as your wallet goes, no matter what, whether they use you or not, it's always good for you. But on the flip side of this, we now have Keith Lee, who uh, what's he going to do in the chaotic Raw that has Bobby Lashley and MVP and uh, whatever the hell else it has right now going on, there's not really a good landscape for the guy to go back to. It's like, there's going to be nothing for him to do up there. It's going to be a disaster like it is every time fucking nowadays. And, like, they, they, they ruined it once they had him literally have a, once again, 45-day NXT title run. At that point, it doesn't matter when you call him up because he's still got that asterisk on his name. The most over guy in the whole company on any brand, and you have him have a minuscule title run. For yeah. what? Blink. Yeah, tell me about it. Because it's not because it's not like they haven't had people come up with championship before. Kevin Owens pinned John Cena at Money in the Bank while he was NXT champion. Sasha Banks was champion when she came up. Like it felt like that whole wasted, that, that whole title thing's not an excuse anymore. It felt like they wasted all of his opportunities with championships. Every last one of them. Yeah. He gave up one title for no reason, and they lost another one to carry on across. And I was going up to a brand that really hasn't had their landscape straight in a while. They don't know anymore. But we will be discussing that tomorrow night. So anything else here as far as the uh, our SummerSlam weekend has gone? Uh, no. Glad to see I'm getting used to the Thunderdome. So I'm looking forward to seeing how Raw handles it tomorrow. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing where these stories go tomorrow night. So all of you that have been here, thank you. Because tomorrow we will be talking and discussing AEW. Uh, as far as their, the last of their women's tournament, Dynamite, and all of the other stuff that comes with them. And we will find out what's going to happen as far as Monday Night Raw with Keith Lee's debut, as well as covering the news, updating you on the dirt sheets, and various other things that have happened since then. Thank you to everyone who has hung out with us for this entire weekend and been in the chat room all weekend, as well as you guys that have been there tonight, specifically Stasis Dreams, Willie V2, Kula Ice, Seb, Hot Local Mom, Six Layer, EB Gamer, Nuffsy Scotty Tresino, your boy Chuck King Quest 770 Universe, F-Sang Only One Jelly, Bloodluster Rooney 666 And of course all of you who have been listening Live across iHeartRadio, iTunes Radio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TalkBunch.com Twitch.tv slash TalkBunch On Demand, Facebook.com Facebook Watch and all of the other platforms uh, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Talk Brunch Live. This has been your SummerSlam 2020 post-show Talk Brunch Live episode 402. I've been your host, Rick Dara, a.k.a. Captain Brunch. For myself and my co-host, Destin, we're out of here. Later, people. Keep it going. Shut up.